getting into the field of security and the executive protection, uh, we're told be the gray man. But so many times they take that be the gray man to an unhealthy point of you should always be, you know, mellow and you shouldn't have a personality and you shouldn't, you know, this and you shouldn't that. And, and pretty soon they're tamping you down. As I grow up, all of mm-hmm. these fears are starting to converge. And I feel like I'm full of crap. Yeah. And if I'm full of crap, if I feel that way, when will everybody figure that out? And once they do, will I ever be able to be me again? Welcome to the Speak as a Leader podcast, where you learn how to speak fearlessly on stage, on camera, and in person. I'm Nasheen, a leadership communications coach from the Fortune 500 world. And on Speak as a Leader, I talk to leaders from corporate giants like Amazon and Google to startup founders, visionaries, TEDx speakers, and even leaders who have worked at the Pentagon. You will get to know how these leaders learned the art and science of speaking fearlessly on any stage. Let's get started. It's a special day at Speak as a Leader podcast because we have not one, but two guests today. So for the first time, I'm going to attempt to lead a three-way conversation. My two special guests are Tim Wenzel and Lee Outen. Tim is the head of Global Security Protective Intelligence at Meta. He specializes in enterprise security risk management. And Lee is the COO and co-founder at Legend Risk Management, LLC. But what they both have in common is that they're both co-founders at the Kindness Games, a movement that started as a way to counter the disruption, hate and discontent that we've all felt recently post-COVID. Their ambitious aim is to heal our relationships and communities through targeted kindness. Tim and Lee are both public figures and amazing speakers in their own right. In fact, they've been able to use their communication and negotiation skills to influence senior management decisions at the companies they've worked at. So we'll talk leadership, we'll talk good communication strategies, and what speaking as a leader means to them. Starting in three, two, one... Hi guys, we are finally doing this. We've been able to make this happen and I am so excited to be talking to both of you about kindness, about leadership, about communicating with kindness and all other great things. So hi Lee, hi Tim, let's get started. So good to meet you again. I guess we talked already. Yes. It's like an official meeting. You haven't met if you haven't done a podcast together. That's true. And also your audience, you're all about like, hey, here's how to be polished. And then Lee and I are kind of like, here's how to just wing it. How to be diamonds in the rough. (laughs) That's that still has its merits. I mean, I've done years of improv where it's really interesting because you're actually preparing to wing it. Because we still do a lot of practice. We do a lot of mm. practice improv games. We, we, we meet like many, many, many times before we do an improv show. But yeah, we're just, we're literally just preparing ourselves to, to be on that stage unprepared. So that's a skill and an art for sure. Absolutely. Um, and actually in the security industry, we kind of do the same thing. We prepare for the 
unknowable risk or threat that's coming, right? Mm -hmm. You don't really know what it's going to be, but there are things you can do to prepare. So it's, it's actually similar. Would you like to do a quick intro uh, to talk a little bit about who you are and your journey so far? So I, uh, I am Lee Alton. It's magical to be here. Uh, and thank you so much for, for inviting us. And we're really thankful to have this opportunity to talk to your audience. I'm the CEO of Fortress Risk Management, the co-founder of the Kindness Games, uh, uh, a security influencer and also a board member for the Relentless Revival Safe Haven, which is uh, for victims of human trafficking. Uh, and I'm just a very happy, positive um, ambassador for all things good. And I just want to give back. That's my sole mission. And I'll, and I'll, I'll pause there. Otherwise, I'll keep going. My goodness. That's a lot, bro. Two jobs. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I also uh, work and lead in the security industry. Uh, but I am the uh, creator and co-founder of The Kindness Games. Lee and I kicked this crazy thing off together uh, two years ago, September of 2020. And uh, essentially, it started because um, I was kind of starting to fall into a depression. And I asked Lee to help me like refocus on positivity. And so we started this game called the kindness games where we just shouted out one person a day for 30 days, elevating somebody else uh, for the good that they're doing in the world and how they've impacted us. And uh, it really worked to refocus my attention on gratitude and positivity and, and get off of all the negativity with COVID and, and all, everything going on. Um, and then another weird thing happened is people started doing it. And by the next year, we had one person, at least on every continent, except for Antarctica, who had done that. And uh, yeah, so this is what we do. And now the Kindness Games is turning into a leadership and wellness and coaching company. That's awesome. I love I love that it started so organically. And I love that you guys were collaborating without ever having met in real life until very recently. And yeah, yeah. I love that it's it's pivoting and evolving organically. And I think it all comes down to how much kindness resonates with all of us, because it's the one thing that you're taught in theory from a very young age. But when it actually comes to putting it in practice, a lot of us have other things on our minds. We hesitate. We just think, you know, for example, when you're working, when you're in a stressful situation and it's crunch time, being kind is sometimes the last thing on your mind. You want to get things done. You want to make sure that, you know, that, that we finish the work by that deadline. You want to make sure that the client is happy or the investors are happy or the board members are happy or your boss is happy. You know, um, Part of that, I think, comes from like an inadequate definition of kindness. Um, I don't know what the dictionary actually says about it. I'm pretty sure it says something about like being grateful and being nice to people. And, and that is part of it. Uh, but at the Kindness Games, we've redefined it into kind of a more functional definition that you can apply holistically to your life. And basically what we say that kindness is endeavoring to recognize the humans on the other side of each situation, every scenario that we manage through in life. 
and trying to figure out and trying to provide the best outcome for them in that scenario, whether that's, hey, I'm in a meeting with some high powered people and I have a young professional who's actually really smart, but they're not being heard. And so while I am captivating the room, I'm actually going to like pass that baton for a moment and let them be seen. Or it could even be, I have to terminate an employee because I'm a leader, right? And sometimes, even as a leader, we have to play the boss card, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we have to we have to be grown ups. Sometimes, you know, un, unsavory things have to be done. Um, but how can I do that while leaving this person with their dignity, while uh, serving them as best as possible, making sure they have the best severance, etc., uh, and making sure that. When they leave that situation, even though it was a bad, terrible situation for them, they say, if it had to happen, I'm glad it happened that way. That's a great way to to look at it. That you're making sure that you never forget someone's humanity and you never forget your own humanity. That's really something that I, I very strongly believe in and I stand for because a lot of times we let so many other things cloud our judgment and dictate our behaviors. Man-made rules, for example, often steal people's humanity. And you've seen that. I've seen that in action. And it's, it's infuriating. It is. Uh, most, most people allow their environments to condition them, right? So if you are, let's say that you're in an austere environment, you, know, you, you technically become this uh angry beast right you like you're seeing exactly like what tim's doing now um both me and him our past were military leaders but i know and me and me and tim have had some really deep and meaningful conversations about this we have still been kind to what we we have called in the past enemy combatants right just because they are technically on the other side of you know of the field to us, let's put it that way. You know, doesn't mean that we have to show there's, there's always ways that you can lean into that, you know, with diplomacy, you know, being sympathetic to the situation that, you know, was kind of pushed on them, right. Or enforced. So now Sheen, that's a question for you. And I hope I'm saying your name, right. I am infamous for being terrible with names, but is it normal for people to get on stage, both in public, in the physical world and virtually, and do a speech or have a talk or teach a workshop and afterwards be like, I actually wonder how that went because I don't mm. really remember what I did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a great that, question. That me and, all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Because what happens is that when you're on that stage, you have you know all this adrenaline going on and you're like in the moment and you're just going at it and you're like full steam ahead, 100%. And you just want to keep going, get it over with, engage with the audience, be there, be in the moment. And after that, it's kind of like the release. It's, you know, after a great workout, after running a marathon, you know, you remember the highlights, you remember those, those small Mm. moments, but overall there is this kind of haze of just accomplishment and happiness and gratefulness that you've done all of that. But it's really common to not exactly remember every single moment, which is why I often have my clients record their sessions as much as possible. That's really great. And what Lee was talking about, like watching it back and seeing 
How many filler words are you using? I'm infamous for overusing like. I'm now trying to be more and more conscious of it and stop overusing it. And when you analyze yourself, then that's when you realize that you're using your body language in a way that might not be completely effective. Mm. You're hesitating in places where you don't even remember hesitating, but it's coming across when you actually watch it back. Yeah, it's always great for that self-critique. And and what I'm starting to do now is when I come off stage is like I'll, I'll go to my brutally honest friends and I'll say, mm-hmm. look, hey, you know, tell me, you know, was it good or did, you know, did I you know, bomb out? And then the guy who was leading that panel like saw me later and he's like, oh, my God, you know, what you do is like so cool. And I was thinking, are you? Honestly, was it, was it? Because I actually felt uh, quite, you know, and I, I was explaining to him and he's like, you really were that emotional? I was like, yeah, I was. I was like super emotional and something that that was said just like triggered. And then I went into my own internal like kind of flashpoint and then I couldn't control it. When you get emotional about something, that's when you know you're really connected with the audience because people yeah. love emotion. They really don't like talking robots They don't like just people that don't seem to be human when they're presenting. And the moment you bring that humanity in, whether it's in the form of emotion or in the form of a joke, in the form of engagement, it really, really pays off. So, you know, that's that's an interesting topic to bring up. Right. I think that's one of the reason people step away from both leadership and public speaking. Mm. is because they're afraid, right? They want to put that barrier up. They do not want that connection with the audience because they feel the vulnerability makes them weaker or a target or, or something like that. But the power of that moment, right? So you're absolutely, when you're, when you're speaking on something that inspires you, that you're passionate about, and you start to feel the rush of emotions, I gave, um, I got signed up to give a motivational talk to a group of juniors and seniors in high school. Um, and specifically, I was like, I don't think you want me to give this talk because like, I didn't go to college. I don't even think college is a good idea um, for most people. And they're like, actually, this group, that we're a private prep school and there are kids in counseling right now because of the expectations they feel are on them and they're not doing well in high school and they feel like their life is about to end. And so actually we need this perspective. And I was like, awesome, I'm going to do it. It was two months away. My dad passes away the month before. So sorry to hear that. And so I went home for the funeral, but my wife and I, we did his books for his business. And so we had to stay for almost a month to close the books, literally flew home to California, landed one day, the next morning went and did this talk. And so I was like giving the talk and everything. And I got to a part about something my dad had told me, right? Over and over growing up again. And like, I had to pause, I had the tears, I had to breathe. And in that moment, every high schooler and the parents that came and the staff were just like, like, I'm right here with you. This is awesome. Like I'm feeling you. Yeah. And you can't be afraid of that. Like it is vulnerability, but that is the ultimate connection when you speak and when you lead. It really is. It really is. That's that's a really powerful story. Thank you for sharing that with us. I think that those are the kind of 
moments that really leave an impact. And this is what I really love about speaking in public because a lot of those times just really stand out in your memory. They just become memorable by virtue of the fact that it took so much time to prep or the fact that you were speaking publicly was just important. It it left an impression in your brain in, in one way, shape or form. And it's because of that that you can actually derive something from those moments. You can use them to build your confidence. You can use them to build a sense of your personality. This is what I really love being in this space where there's this dialogue happening between the times that you're on stage and your regular life because the two are interconnected and that's what I really think is the power of speaking on a stage because it's not just for the sake of speaking on a stage it really affects your own personality your own confidence your sense of self-worth your communication skills your effectiveness there's just so much impact that it can have Tim uh, Tim Tim mentioned this on our one of our most recent sessions and he you know, he expressed we are we are who what you see here virtually exactly the same person right we are this same people like everybody says you guys are yeah. you know crazy and you're so energetic and i think that that's why so many people connect with me and tim because we're not we're not false facades right we are exactly who we are and and, and we will you know, bounce like fireballs literally into any place, environment, and lift up any energy like that's in there right now. And I think that that's the coolest thing. And that's what I love about the life I'm living right now is because I don't have two lives, right? And I don't have two faces. I just have one face, one life. I've blended the two, which can be dangerous, as we know, because a lot of people say, oh, you can't do that. But for me, I love it because again, it just feels so beautiful. It feels so right for me. I love the the idea of just being one person because having multiple faces is exhausting. Yeah. Even even in your offline life, of course you you adapt different parts of yourself in different circumstances. But overall, you got to be the same person. If some people don't recognize you, in another context, that means that you're really holding yourself back or you're putting up a lot of different filters, a lot of different ways to to change yourself. And I, I actually did that for a really long time. I was a I was a chameleon in so many Same ways. Here. Yeah. And it's exhausting. It catches it up with you. Painful, exhausting, and just toxic too. You know, it's yeah. an interesting thing. And I I, I love that we can talk about this because nobody is, I mean, very few people are talking about this um, because it's such a sensitive topic, right? But every mentee that I pick up brand new for the last year and a half, the first thing I start discussing with them is their public persona. And they're like, well, you know, I'm just out of college. I'm in like my second job. Like, I don't really think I need a public persona. I'm like, oh, but you do. Mm -hmm. And then I start asking them, okay, like in this situation, like how do you interact with people? And in this situation, and and they're like, and everyone, I'm like, oh, I'm I'm kind of a chameleon. I'm just trying to like figure out like my way through. I'm like, but that's actually the point, right? Because I I was friends with a guy who was awesome, and then I started working with him, and he was awesome outside of work and terrible at work, and even me, 
uh, getting into the field of security and the executive protection, uh, we're told be the gray man, you know, and, and for good reason, right? When you're around famous people, you're in the middle of other people's lives and situations, like you do need to kind of fade to the background. But so many times they take that be the gray man to an unhealthy point of you should always be, you know, mellow and you shouldn't have a personality and you shouldn't, you know, this and you shouldn't that. And, and pretty soon they're tamping you down. And at one point in my life, I started knowing people from uh, one type of uh, job and then another type of job and then my social life and then a different part of my social life. And then at one point I was like, um, as I grow up, all of these spheres are starting to converge and I feel like I'm full of crap. Yeah. And if I'm full of crap, if I feel that way, when will everybody figure that out? And once they do, will I ever be able to be me again? I'll always be a lie. That's how I felt. That's powerful. Oh. All comes back to kindness, right? The, mm-hmm. uh, this, the, and, and this is what people don't understand about kindness is that, you know, you know for me, for me, kindness, especially to oneself, is being your true self, right? You know, and, and, and it's what Tim's said there because, you know, and, and, and you brushed on it too, is that if you're living this false facade, if you're living this lie, you know, and, and you're, you've become that chameleon, it is so toxic because you're like, like, who am I meant to be today? Or who am I meant to be yeah. right at this, this, this hour? But if you're being true to yourself, then that's when you're applying not only kindness on yourself, but kindness all around your ecosystem, right? Because everybody, and, and we talk about kindness a lot. And like, literally it's, it's probably, um, you know, it's our way of life now, to be honest, it is, it's our lifestyle. And again, you know, in, 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 in our industry and in our community, now we've become, I think, more known for being, you know, the kindness crusaders or the co-founders of the, of, of the kindness games, which is, which is beautiful. But what we're trying to do now is, is blend it into our community and, and showcase the power of it and actually where it sits. A lot of it, at least for me, I don't know if you guys went through similar experiences. I think we're all, I think roughly the same age. So we're roughly the same generation. I, I like saying that we're, you know, the oldest millennials, just, just barely a millennial. Um, and I feel like when we were growing up, we were really taught to fit in, you know, don't ruffle any feathers, be diplomatic. Don't try to be a smart ass, just be, you know, go with the flow, be polite, fit in, make sure that you're not sticking out like a sore thumb. Don't be different for the sake of being different because who do you think you are, Nasheed? And that's, that was really, you know, my, my life. Uh, a lot of times I just really wanted to stand out and I was just told that's not right. That's not the way to mm. do things. That's not the way to live in a healthy functioning society. And that is just, it's just BS really. This it's just, and that's what really shapes our minds. And it makes us feel that if I stand out, I'm doing something terribly wrong and selfish. Yeah. And you know, that's too bad too, because I think that is easier to teach than how to have a healthy discussion and debate. And I think that has kind of gotten us to where we are now, uh, where Lee was saying earlier that people just don't want to have 
conversations. They don't want to hear different opinions. They don't want to be challenged. And, but I just have to say, like, how boring is a world where everyone around you thinks just like you? Like, that is terrible. It's it's yeah. exhaustingly boring. Like, <laughs> yes, or, Tim, you're so you're so good. I'm like, okay, thanks. Or they're pretending, right? It just leads to more and more deceit and and yeah. pretend and pretense. I actually wanted to to peel back the layers a little bit. We were all not the three of us for sure. We're not born enlightened. You know, we're talking a lot about these really great things that we believe in now. And I, I do believe that all of us are being extremely authentic, but we weren't always like this. We've made our mistakes. So I want right. to get into that. I want to see what kind of things like I want to, I'm just interested in knowing what kind of things actually stand out in your memory where you realized maybe later on, perhaps not in the moment that I was not being the kind of leader I wanted to be. I was not being as kind as I wanted to be. And then later, perhaps that realization contributed to being the person that you are now, being the people that you are now. Hmm. You, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we can talk about how I've screwed up all night long. Yeah. I can get my wife up here. She'll tell you. <laughs> but, um, you know, looking back, right? So we, we kind of talked earlier or later, depending on how you cut up this podcast, about how I was kind of a chameleon, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that was probably one of my biggest issues. So for me, it was insecurity, right? But when you're, even when you're being a teammate, but even, but if you're a leader and you allow your insecurity to dictate how you show up, you create inconsistency in expectation with your teammates. They do not know how Tim is going to show up, how Tim is going to respond to the news, how Tim is going to whatever right and 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 that is a huge injustice as a leader to to not allow your team to know like hey this is how tim shows up this is how tim responds to good news and to bad news i can expect this every day and not that um not that you can't have an off day you can but it should be the exception and that off day should cause your team members to be like you know what i wonder what's going on with tim because he's not right today. But when it's constant inconsistency, that's when you get that eggshell effect, right? And, and that insecurity within me that tried to cause me like, ooh, I got to talk to these people. How am I going to be? Ooh, I've never met this type of person before and I need to be taken serious. So like, how do I, how do, I do that? And, and it's just, um, I don't think it's fair. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. When your team members look at you and they can't, see the same Tim from day to day, it really, it really disarms them. It really makes them feel like they can't rely on you because what should they rely on? Should they rely on a a Tim who's, you know, who gets angry at the drop of a hat or a Tim who's smiling all the time and bringing them donuts in the morning? I do love donuts though, Mm. to be honest. Donuts are awesome. I've definitely been in that situation as well. Perhaps it's a rite of passage for every young or inexperienced leader, but I I definitely was in a a space where I had to, I was doing this and I wasn't even aware that I was doing this, where I was going in between 
crunch time, which for me at the time was being on a film set. Because when you're on a film set, you have to follow a really strict schedule. And if you're the director, and sometimes I was a director and the producer, I had to make sure that, you know, we were firing on all fronts, excuse the military metaphor. And we were always, you know, always there, always on just kind of charging through. And then there was real life, which was with my team when we were back at the office and I was nice and I was appreciative of their ideas and their feedback. And I wanted to know what they thought about everything. But on the film set, when it's crunch time, I don't want to know what they think. I'm not interested in their feedback. I know what needs to get done and it needs to get done. I'm not going to spend even five minutes discussing something with them because time is precious and I'm the director and it has to be my vision. And all of that is true, but it doesn't need to be said that way. They don't need to feel that way. That could be a book on leadership. Mm. Unfortunately, because filmmaking is the director's medium Mm. and it's an unwritten or actually sometimes in some cases written rule that is the director's vision that's coming to life. So the director has the final say on everything. But there is absolutely a way to do that with kindness, with humanity, without making people feel like they're less than. And I know that I made that mistake early on and people started becoming wary of me on set and they were like, Oh, no, she just turns into a monster. We can't really, we don't know what's going on. And then later when I would go back to my usual self at the office, they just wouldn't know what to think. The path to enlightenment. Wow. Isn't it, (laughs) isn't it powerful and strong, right? So let me put some thought provocation out there and say this. You cannot be a great leader if you haven't screwed up in your life, right? Um. It's it's really interesting, right? For me, it's really easy to have a sense of self-awareness in certain contexts. Mm. So when I'm on stage, for example, I'm super comfortable. I understand who I am, what kind of vibes I'm giving out and what kind of vibes the audience is receiving. Where is the energy in the room? How am I going to interact with these people? I'm just all there. And I'm one of those weird people who, for whom it's much easier to make that connection on stage than sometimes one-on-one. So in one-on-one or interpersonal communication, that's what I really had to learn. So I've gone through life a lot, just doing what I think is okay in the moment, but absolutely not being able to read the room properly when it comes to the interpersonal communication. So I think I, I think I must have just improved in, in little bits and pieces over time. And it's only now when I think back on it, it's when I realized that people were happier, you know, in the beginning, and you could see the results in the, in the form of uh, attrition, right. In the, in the form of people leaving or people staying. And in the beginning I had employees leaving really quickly. Team members just got burnt out because of the way that I was handling the business, the way that I was leading the business. And then I eventually ended up having team members that stayed for years because they really, really understood what the company was about. And I think they were enjoying working with me. And I I realized I was not the same leader with them that I was years earlier with with other people. I often talk about we're all becoming. Mm. We can't stay the same. Like, even if you think you're staying the same, you're not. Uh, You're at least aging. 
Um, something is degrading within you. If actually, if you don't work to build yourself up, you're actually probably degrading going backwards in some sense. But how many of us are becoming intentionally mm-hmm. are actually saying, I have a North star that I want to become, and I may not get there, but that's my North star. And, and, and the interesting thing about this is if we recognize that we actually can't be static, we must change. It's just the world around us is changing. So we actually can't stay the same. How do I want to change? And we talked about the chameleon uh, effect, you know, how that will breed imposter syndrome. And like, you just like, Ooh, like I have no idea who I am right now, but you also brought up another point with like executive presence. So, you know, uh, at the kindness games, we talk about how you impact the world, what you're putting out, but everybody has a presence, right? And we need to become aware of what our presence does. And then body language on a stage is magical, right? Because you can enhance a presence to give a feeling to receive a response. But even in this conversation right now, we can do the same thing through the camera. When I have meetings with my employees, I use specific language. For yeah. specific things, because specific language drives emotions, right? Yeah. So, like, I never need to talk to you unless it's serious and like you need to come prepared. It's always a chat because chats are fun, right? Something that I criticize myself about since I've come back is that because I have this um, gregarious, uh, you know, kind of mannerism now and and a lot of times i barrel into a room that really hurts some conversations right and there was a lot of people that i wasn't able to connect with that i wish i had connected with and 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 i've tried to connect with them since so that is something that i'm very self-critical and self-aware of now and something that i need to do better of next time i show up i think that we've covered a lot of important ground in terms of leadership, in terms of our own individual journeys and what's brought us to this point and how we think how all of us are huge fans of kindness and how you've redefined kindness, which is something I really loved hearing about. So any last thoughts from you, Tim and Lee? Uh, You know what? I I would just say, um, you know, that no matter where you find yourself right now, no matter how on top of the world or how powerless you feel, you get to choose. Mm. And you get to choose about you. you. You can't really influence how the world comes at you, but you can choose how you take it to the world, right? Just do you. Be who you are. Love who you are. Uh, and lift others up around you. Yeah, we all deserve you know, for our voices to be heard. Uh, we all should be encouraged to have that seat at the table. So, you know, stop suppressing others. You know, lift up, unite, come together. Let's have the conversations. Um, let's challenge and encourage one another. And I always love to say this: remember, everybody, kindness counts. Awesome wrapping up words. I think someone on my LinkedIn, one of my LinkedIn posts once said that a manager or a boss is just a job title, but you can be a leader no matter who you are, no matter what your job title is. And that's 
that's really, I think, what leading with kindness is all about. You can do it Absolutely. no matter which, yeah, which which level you're at in the company, which love, which stage you're at at life. No matter where you are in life, there's somebody always watching you. And being impacted by you. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. that's the beauty. Great. Thank you so much, guys. This was an awesome conversation. Thank you for taking the time. No, thank you for having us. We appreciate you. So much fun. Hey, you're still here. Thanks for listening all the way till the end. I am super grateful for your support. If you like this episode, please take a minute to leave a five-star review. It would mean the world to me. To know about how I help leaders speak fearlessly, you can check out nsheen.com. That is the first letter of my name, N for Nasheen, with a sheen like Martin and Charlie. See you in the next episode. Till then, speak fearlessly. Fearlessly.